Welcome to Crossroads, the broadcast ministry of Montgomery's First Baptist Church, where you can discover God's personal plan and power to conquer your problems through Jesus Christ. Join us now as God's Word heals, encourages, and enlightens your spiritual life. Come with me now to Luke, Luke chapter 22. We'll start in verse 39 in a moment. It may help to find this piece of paper entitled, Finding and Following God's Will. This is an extremely important topic because many of you right now are standing at a crossroads and you're asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? Which way should I go? Maybe the crossroads is linked to a decision that you must make about a person, about a problem, about a place, about a possibility. You're asking this question, should I go or stay? Should I buy or sell? Should I commit or should I quit? So I want to help you. God speaks to this situation of being in the valley of decision-making. And today we're going to look at how to find and follow God's will. Because, friends, I have talked to countless people over the decades who have asked me this paramount question, Jay, what do you think God wants me to do? And I have given them what I consider to be some amalgamated advice. I call it the five keys. So here's what I would like for you to pretend in your imagination. I would like for you to imagine that we were just eating at a coffee shop, and maybe we were eating a piece of lemon meringue pie. That's my favorite. You know, with the meringue that has the honeydews dripping down at the end and a good cup of coffee, and we're just having this conversation. Because, friends, I have seen countless people make quick, hasty, impulsive decisions that have created extremely negative outcomes, that have set them back and created suffering for them and many other people and even multi-generations. So that's why it's so important that you are at full spiritual attention because I want to share with you the keys that I have picked up over studying God's Word and doing God's will for many, many years. I don't want you to live in a ditch. You don't have to live on the world's low road. You have the capacity to take God's high road. And it all happens when you say, Lord, I want to know and I want to do your will. And these keys will help you do it. I, I don't want you to be like the lady I heard about who was moving from Chicago to Orlando. She was 35 years old. Her life was a mess. She wanted to start over. So she was driving down. She got into central Florida and she saw a big sign that said, lemon pickers needed. Well, she needed some work, so she pulled off the road, and she went in there to put in an application, and the guy said, have you ever had any experience picking lemons? She said, well, I guess so, buddy. I've been divorced three times. <laughs> All I picked is lemons. All right, you don't have to pick lemons. There are a lot of peaches out there, and I want to show you how to pick a peach instead of a lemon. Now, here, here's what Jesus said. Go to John 15, 5 on your worksheet. Now, just to hammer this home, to embed this in your heart, this is the key. My friend Henry Blackaby has this as his life verse, and his quest is to know the will of God so that he can do the will of God. But let's read this out loud together right here on your worksheet. Let's read it together from John 15, 5. Ready? I am the vine, 
you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Friend, the design of God is for your life to be fruitful, not wasteful. Your life should be fruitful, not awful, not pitiful. You see, there's the Jesus way. And I want us to understand that you can either determine God's will through your own speculation or through God's revelation, which is reliable. So let's come now to Luke 22, and we'll meet Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus was literally at the crossroads of his life. And what does he do? Well, he is going to create a model for how we should approach our decision-making. So come with me to verse 39. And Jesus came out, and he proceeded, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down, and he began to pray, saying, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we want to echo that prayer of Gethsemane. Lord, it's all about your will being done. It's all about the advancement of your kingdom. It's all about surrendering ourselves to you and synchronizing with your heart and spirit. Father, I pray that you would get me out of the way and that your spirit would be released to move among us and you would deposit these transforming truths about knowing and doing your will into every receptive heart. And I pray for this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, here are the five keys that I want to give to you. And these five keys, if properly utilized, I believe will open the lock to God's will. Well, let's begin with the first key, and that is prayer. Prayer. You see, in Mark 135, we find early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus arose, and he went to a lonely place to pray. Now, the larger context of this scripture is Jesus is about to select his disciples. So he is about to make a far-reaching decision. Consequently, what does he do? He prays. Now, he's the son of God. Jesus knows everything. But I believe he was creating a model, a pattern for us. Before we make big decisions, he is saying, pause in prayer. Consult with your heavenly Father so that you make the right decision. Friends, always remember that prayer inherently indicates that you are dependent upon the Lord. Prayer is not simply coming to God and giving Him a list of all of your ailments and what's wrong and a grocery list filled with information about what you want from the Lord, like a shopping list. No, prayer at its heart, at its finest, is what Jesus prayed, Father, Your will be done. Lord, I want to surrender to Your will. I want to submit to Your way. I want to be synchronized of spirit with you. Prayer is reporting for duty. Prayer is saying, yes, sir, Lord, here I am. Send me. That's what prayer is. Now, I want to help you. Jesus prayed a model prayer, Lord, your will be done. Do you pray that? 
Have you been guilty of making impulsive, hasty decisions, and the result is loss, defeat, setback, suffering? There's a better way. You see, so many people make decisions like this. Ready? Fire, aim. (laughs) That's why they hit the wrong target. You see, there's a better way. Pause to pray. We certainly see this in the life of Jesus. Here he was about to go to the cross, and what does he do? He pauses, and he kneels. He says, oh, God, if you can take that cross away from me, the cup of ultimate suffering, please do so. But I'm surrendered. I'm submitted. I'm synchronized with you. And if I need to go to that cross, and if I need to be brutalized and separated from you for the first time in eternity, I'm willing to do it. You see, he was synchronizing his will with the Father. He paused to pray before the cross. Also, remember this biblical example of Moses. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 2? Moses has been rescued from the Nile. That little baby should have been lunch for a crocodile, but instead, God in his sovereignty, he scooped him up and he made him this slave's child, was now the prince of Egypt. He's 40 years old. He is sensing that God wants to do something special with his life. So he is walking among the Israelites and he sees an Egyptian taskmaster abusing a man. So something rises up in him. And the Bible says precisely this. Moses goes over to the taskmaster who's hurting the Israelites, and he looks to the left, he looks to the right, and then he kills the man. He murders him. And he buries his body in the Egyptian sand. And let me tell you what Moses didn't do. Oh, he looked left, he looked right, but did he look up? No, he did not look up. I believe he got ahead of God. Now, God used it. But Moses, because he murdered a man, then has to go on the run and become a fugitive. And his name is stained in Egypt. So, friend, I want you to understand that before you make big decisions, hit the prayer button to pause. Go before the Lord. Look up. And this will greatly reduce the number of bad decisions that you're making, especially when you add number two. Let's go from prayer. And the second key is God's Word, God's Word. Now, we learn in Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. In other words, God's Word provides God's light. And light, of course, reveals. There's so many people that stumble in the dark, and they land in dirty ditches of pain and suffering. They engage in self-defeating behaviors and they are suffering from self-inflicted wounds. It doesn't have to be that way. You see, rather than stumble in the dark, imagine this. You open the Word of God, and God's light of illumination, revelation, and direction comes streaming out. So you're no longer stumbling in the dark. You're walking in the safety of God's directing light. So I would urge you to be a student of God's Word, because God's Word reveals God's will. Mark that down. God's Word reveals God's will, especially in three areas. God's Word reveals God's will spiritually, morally, and daily. Let me explain it to you. What is God's will? Well, spiritually, it's prescribed in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. There we learn that it is not God's will for any people to perish. 
In other words, God wants everybody to be saved. The desire of the Lord Jesus is he came from heaven to earth to make this way for you to go from earth to heaven. He lived a sinless life. He died an atoning death on that cross. He had a validating resurrection. And then he has this encompassing invitation, come to me. It's not God's desire for people to perish. He wants people in their family. So when you rebel against God, when you defy his love, and refuses invitation, you are making an enormous earthly and eternal mistake. So the goal of God is simple. He wants people saved. So don't resist Him. I, I mean, if there is something inside of you that you resist God's call to follow Him, then you are the rebel. Stop. You're making a gargantuan error. Let's go from spiritually, God's Word reveals His will, to morally. God's Word is packed with prohibitions for your protection. Many people see God, I think, as some sort of cosmic killjoy. Oh, God just doesn't want me to have any fun. No, God's prohibitions are for your protection, and they're all generally very positive. For instance, go to the Ten Commandments. There's a commandment that says, thou shalt not commit adultery in Exodus chapter 20. Do you know what that really is? It's a call to sexual purity because God knows that He has wired us as sexual creatures, and the way we express ourselves sexually is at the core of our being. As a matter of fact, that's why the Bible says, listen to this, mark this down, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3. This is plain as the noonday sun. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 says, this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. There's not a lot of quibbling about what this says. The word sanctify means to be clean, to be pure, to be holy. And to do that, you've got to abstain from sexual immorality. Let me be ultra clear. It says in Hebrews 13:4, the marriage bed should be pure and undefiled. Now, well, let me just go ahead and confront an obvious social issue. We live in a day when more and more and more people don't get married, they just live together. I mean, I've had people come to me in my 40 years of ministry, and it's really multiplied in frequency and say, well, my parents got divorced, and, you know, people are so fickle, and I'm afraid of commitment. I, I just don't think I should get married. We're just living together. And they both claim to be Christ followers, and yet they are living in opposition to the Word of God. May I lovingly tell you that God's Spirit will never violate God's Word. That doesn't happen. God's Spirit is not going to tell you to go do something that is prohibited in God's Word because, see, God loves you. I mean, when you marry somebody, what you're doing is creating a family that has the capacity to create another human being. And that sacred responsibility calls you to go beyond just living together in some sort of temporary arrangement where you're playing house, and you literally create a bond, a sacred covenant between you and God to raise another human being crafted in the image of God. Now, friends, get that down in your spirit. That is the truth. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Glorify God with your body through your purity. Now remember, 
these prohibitions are for your protection. Let me take you one more step. God's Word reveals God's will for every day. It's astonishing to me how God's Word is like this compass. And if you'll read it daily and look for what God wants you to do, He will give you fresh instructions like manna in the morning. <laughs> I'll give you one example. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Make a note there. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you know what God's will for you is? Be joyful, prayerful, and thankful. God's will for you is not to have a negative, sour, dour attitude. Instead, God's will is for you to have this attitude of gratitude, of prayer, of joy. Every day, that's your calling. Well, I could go on, but please know that the Lord does not want you to walk in the dark, but open His living Word and learn it so that you're guided by it. God's Word reveals His will. Number three, counselors. Oh, this is so important. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 11, verse 14, where there is no guidance, people fall, but in an abundance of counselors there is victory. On countless occasions, I've asked godly friends who know the Lord and love me to give me advice. I'm afraid, however, in contrast, there are people who labor under the delusion that they know everything. They live on an island. They think they're self-sufficient. They don't need anybody's advice, guidance, or direction. You've heard me say it many, many times. Friends, we need Jesus and we need each other. You see, in an abundance of counselors, you're going to find the solution to the problem. One of the things that, uh, that I love to do is invite people to help me think 360. I invite not goofy people, but godly people <laughs> to give me advice. i got to confess, as a pastor, can you imagine how much advice I've received from people? I mean, there are some people who think it's their spiritual gift to give me advice, and, and I appreciate that. I've received that but I don't weigh it the same. You see, there are certain people like my wife, Mary Ruth. She is very wise, so I always get her counsel. Oh, there's a host of people in this room, and you've provided me key bits of counsel at key times in my life. I thank you for that because I truly believe in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Dale Huff used to tell this story. I think it's pretty good. He said there was a young farmer, and he was out on his tractor one day riding along, and he looked up in the sky, and he saw sky riding. It said, PC, PC. He thought, oh, preach Christ. God is calling me through sky riding to become no longer a farmer but a preacher. He calls up his pastor. He says, Pastor, I saw PC in the sky. Preach Christ. Pastor said, well, that's exciting. Why don't you preach the Sunday sermon today, this coming Sunday? He said, I'll do it. He worked so hard. He got on his best suit. He got behind that pulpit, and he preached the worst sermon that's ever been heard. And the pastor came up to him afterwards, and he said, oh, my brother, I'm so proud of you. Now we know PC means plant corn, plant <laughs> corn. All right. You get people who love you enough to tell you the truth. So you can make wise decisions. Number four is reason. Make this note, reason. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
Some people believe that when they start following Jesus, they get to quit thinking. They get some sort of buy or shortcut. They can make decisions without going through a process of due diligence. No, let me, let me tell you what this means to love God with all your mind. This is something I'll consistently do. If I've got to make a big decision, like to buy something, a major purchase, a relational decision, if I've got to make a decision about selecting a new staff mate to work on our church staff, do you know what I do? I do the hard work of thinking it through. I like what Charles Swindoll says, thoughts disentangle when they move from the lips down to the fingertips. And I'll just get a legal pad and do something really fundamental. You know, what's the decision? And then I'll just, the pros and cons, the positives, the negatives. And I'll go through the hard work of reasoning it out. Now, you'll hardly believe this, but when I was in high school, instead of being the suave and debonair person you see before you, I was the ultimate nerd. I mean, I was on the slide rule team and the chess team. I mean, doesn't that just sound like who you would admire? I wasn't the captain of the football team, but I was good at playing chess. But you know what I learned from playing chess? Before you make the move, you project how your opponent will respond. Oh, I learned a lot about life from playing chess. As a matter of fact, you try to project three moves out. So here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to take the time of writing down the pros and the cons, the positives and the negatives about big decisions. I'll tell you this, when, when I was meeting Mary Ruth, the biggest decision I've ever made is to choose Christ. But when I was meeting Mary Ruth, I, I knew that this was a very special person. I loved her. So I went down. We had a lot of land around Georgetown, Texas. I went down on the San Gabriel River. We had a pecan bottom. I took my Bible, a legal pad, and a 22 just in case. <laughs> and I got down there, and I made a list, Mary Ruth Simmons. And you wouldn't believe all the positives I wrote down about her. I think negatives, zero, <laughs> zero, Mary. That's what I saw. Because I wanted to be sure. Before I told her I love you, I wanted to check my heart. I didn't want my heart to hold me hostage and carry me away. I wanted to use my reason. And you need to do the same before you make big decisions. And then let's go to the last part, sanctified imagination. It says in Psalm 37, 3 and 4, trust in the Lord, do good, cultivate faithfulness, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. If you will do these four predicates, if you will trust in the Lord, do good, cultivate faithfulness, delight yourself in the Lord, you can trust your imagination. God's given you this phenomenal gift of being able to project or imagine the results of your decisions. That's called sanctified imagination for me. Well, let me just kind of add it up like this. Uh, the year was 1991. It was March the 11th at 11 p.m. And I got a phone call from a guy named Boyd Christenberry. We were living in Alexandria, Virginia, and Boyd called, and Boyd said, Jay, I'm the head of the pulpit committee for the First Baptist Church of Montgomery, there have been 19 of us that just took a secret ballot vote, and your name was on all 19 ballots. We think God has spoken to us 
would you ask God to speak to you? Well, our church in Alexandria was booming. We were having hundreds of new members. I loved Washington, D.C. I had Potomac fever. I mean, it was a fabulous place to live and minister. But I respected Boyd. I respected Mary S.E. Stevenson. I respected the people on that committee. So I said, I better pause to pray. And I did precisely what I'm telling you today. I, I took out these keys, and I not only started praying, I took God's Word. I got counsel from people like Dale Huff and others. I, I did some reasoning, and then I turned on my sanctified imagination. I'll tell you where I went. I went down to the basement of the National Cathedral. And when I went down to the basement, I was in a three-day fast. And I took my Bible, this Bible, I took a legal pad, and I went down to a place, and I didn't know this, but buried in the basement of the National Cathedral is Helen Keller. Do you all know where she's from? Alabama. I think the Lord was sending me a signal right off. I literally sat there for eight hours. And I prayed, and I wrote, and I thought. And I activated my sanctified imagination. And I could see myself riding down South Perry. I could see myself preaching behind the First Baptist pulpit. I could see myself working in this place right here beside the jailhouse and the courthouse, making an eternal difference with this extraordinary missions laboratory in the heart of this old city. And we came. And it's worked out pretty good. We've seen thousands of people come to Christ. We've built buildings, but more importantly, we've built the kingdom of God together. We have seen mission partnerships here in Montgomery, in our state, 29 church planters in North America. We have partnerships on every continent, and God is using us to do a mighty work. And frankly, in 1991, I saw it, and I came. Well, let's add it up. Bottom line, last note, Henry Blackaby said it best, life's greatest quest is to know the will of God, but life's greatest achievement is to do it. So what's your job right now? Ready, aim, fire. Do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sharing worship with us. We trust God has used this broadcast for your spiritual growth and encouragement. If this ministry has touched your life, please let us know. If you'd like to share in the cost of this broadcast, you may send your gifts and support to First Baptist Church. Your partnership with us will help strengthen and extend this ministry and will be greatly appreciated. And remember, when you are at the crossroads, follow Christ.